Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. We are continuing our series called Christianity 101. Back to the basics of the Christian life. And whether you've only been a Christian for a short time or maybe for many years, it is always good and appropriate for us to occasionally take a moment to go back and look at the basics of the Christian life. Now, just for a moment of review, we have already looked at several areas of the Christian life. Uh, first, we've looked at God's purpose for our life, and that is for us to glorify Him, to live in a way that causes others to think well of our God. We also saw God's plan for our life. His plan for us to glorify Him is our growth into Christ-likeness. Then we saw there's a problem in all of this as a fly in the ointment, and that fly is our indwelling sin. We also saw what God has done about that when He through Christ, broke the power of indwelling sin in our lives. Then we saw God's power for our life, which is the Holy Spirit. For you and I to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. God never intended for us to live the Christian life in our own strength, in our own power. It's impossible. But He has supplied through His Spirit all the power we need as He lives His life through us. And then we saw God's perspective for our life. How does God want you to view life? He wants you to view it from the perspective of faith, not sight. Believing what God says in His Word over what you might see with these eyes. And then we saw God's pattern for our life. And that's one of self-denial. We are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. And then we saw God's process for our life, which is the ministry of death. As we die to self that the life of Christ might be manifested in us. And then we saw God's purity for our life, that we abstain from immorality. Last week we saw God's practice for our life, and that is to forgive others. Today we're going to look at the Father's discipline in our life. His loving correction. Now I couldn't think of a P that would be appropriate. I thought about pedagogy, but then I thought, well, that won't really communicate what I want to communicate. So, uh, abandon the P's and just simply put the Heavenly Father's discipline in your life. Now, I did change from God to Heavenly Father because I think it's important when we talk about this subject of discipline, we need to see it in terms of the family concept, that it is our Heavenly Father who is disciplining us as his children. Our passage is Hebrews chapter 12. We'll be reading in verses 5 through 11. And in respect for the word of God, let me ask you to stand as I read. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. 
For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who've been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. You may be seated. Now I want you to think back to when you were 8, 9, and 10 years old. I know it's a little harder for some of you to go back that far than others, but push on back in your memory to when you were 8, 9, and 10 years old. Now I want you to think about when your parents disciplined you. And I want you to think how you felt when they disciplined you. Did you get angry with them? Did you maybe get upset with them? Would you say you despised that discipline? Did you think, man, they just don't love me? Did you think they're just being mean? Now push it forward as an adult. Now as you look back on your parents' discipline, how do you see it? Totally differently, don't you? At the time, I thought, man, they hate me. (laughs) They're just being mean. But as an adult, I look back and think... (laughs) They should have done it more. You know, my dad was a rather simple man. He kept things basically simple. You know, we make life complicated nowadays. Back in in his day, it was simple. He had a simple rule of child raising. He raised three preachers, so it must have worked. He said, love them and whoop them. (laughs) Now, for those of you that might not be from the South, you know, a whooping is different than a spanking. It's different. And at the time, I didn't like it, but as I look back on it now, I should have gotten more whoopings. Deserved more than I got. Well, when it comes to God's discipline in your life, the Heavenly Father's discipline in your life, how do you view it? Do you despise it? Do you think God's being mean to you? I've heard people say, you know, God just must hate me. I just can't believe this happened to me. Do you respond to God's discipline in your life as an immature child or as a mature adult? In our passage today, our Heavenly Father tells us how He wants us to respond to His discipline in our life and why we should respond this way. Now, there is a command that governs this entire passage, and that command is found in verse 5. You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. 
My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. That's a command that governs this entire passage. Our Heavenly Father is saying, I do not want you to regard lightly the discipline that I bring into your life. Now this word regard lightly in the Greek is one word, and it's the word little plus the word care. So literally it means to care little or careless. It means to esteem, to disesteem, or to care little for. To consider of small worth or to despise something. And so looking at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5, God is saying to us, we are not to ignore or give little thought to the Heavenly Father's discipline in our life. We are not to pay no attention to it. We're not to be unaware that it's happening to us. Now, when was the last time you experienced God's disciplined hand in your life? Well, if you don't remember, it may be because you have regarded it lightly. Have given a little thought to it. And so the first thing I see God saying to us is... I do not want you to be unaware of my hand of discipline when I am bringing it into your life. Don't treat it lightly. Don't ignore it. That's the first thing. We are not to value God's discipline so little in our life that we don't even realize when He's bringing it. But there's a second thing I believe He's also saying in this passage. And that is found when we go to Proverbs chapter 3 because the writer of Hebrews is simply quoting from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 in this chapter 5. Now when you go to Proverbs chapter 3 and you look at the Hebrew that is translated, do not regard lightly, the Hebrew word, actually means to reject. It means to despise. It means to refuse or to treat as loathsome. It designates people's actions in refusing to heed God or accept His authority. And so when you look in the Hebrew of this passage... God is saying, do not reject or despise my disciplined hand in your life. Don't become stubborn and resistant when I bring my hand of discipline into your life. And so I think there are two things we need to keep in mind today. That God does not want us to respond in two ways to His hand of discipline in our life. First, don't pay no attention to it. Don't have little regard for it. Secondly, don't despise it. Don't get angry about it like you did when you were a child and your parents disciplined you. Rather, submit to it. Embrace it. Welcome His loving hand of discipline in your life. Now, having given that command, now God gives us five reasons 
why we are not to take his discipline lightly, why we are not to despise or reject his discipline. When you were a child, you saw your parents disciplined in a childish way. But as an adult, you look back on it and you see it in a mature way. God has given us five truths that should bring us into a mature view of His discipline in your life. First truth. The Heavenly Father's discipline is primarily for correction and instruction, not punishment. Sometimes people think when God is putting his hand of discipline in their life that God is punishing them, that he's out to get them. That is not true. The Heavenly Father's hand of discipline in our life has a corrective nature to it. And that is clearly seen in both the Hebrew and Greek words used in this passage. As I told you, he's quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11. That Old Testament word that's translated instruction or discipline is used 50 times in the Old Testament, in the New American Standard. Of those 50 times it's used, 20 times is translated instruction. 18 times it's translated discipline. It's translated correction three times. And only two times is it translated punishment. Now that same word, used 50 times in the Old Testament, when it's translated by the New American Standard Bible, it's translated overwhelmingly as instruction, as correction. And so God's primary purpose in disciplining you is to correct you, is to instruct you. It's to teach you. It is not to punish you. Now the same thing is borne out in the Greek word used in Hebrews chapter 12. The Hebrew, excuse me, the Greek word used in Hebrews is padeo, which means to train children. It has the word child in it. It means instructing. In fact, couple other places where it's used in the New Testament, it's translated training and correcting. For instance, over in 2 Timothy 3.16, the word's translated training there where we read, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, that same word, discipline, for training in righteousness. And again, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, that word is translated correcting. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance. Now we can see why God commands us not to take lightly His discipline, nor to despise it. Because when He brings it in our life, He brings it for the purpose of instructing us in godliness, of correcting something that we may be doing wrong, that we might follow His will for our life. So when the Heavenly Father disciplines us, He is training us in righteousness. Now since He is seeking to correct and train us when He disciplines us, then there's always a lesson 
that he wants us to learn, that he wants to teach us when we are experiencing his disciplined hand. So when you're experiencing God's hand of discipline, don't say, oh, I'm being punished for my sins. I must just accept my punishment and pay my debt and go on. No, no. Say, Lord, I know you want to teach me something. I know there is a correction, there's an instruction that something you're wanting to teach me in this discipline. Lord, show it to me. I want to learn it. Because, folks, you can't flunk out of God's classroom. (laughs) As long as you refuse to learn it, (laughs) He's going to keep you in the classroom. So for your own sake, Say, Lord, teach me and teach me soon. Let me know what you're trying to say to me. I want to live. My ears are open. I want to hear it. Now, sometimes he has to do some things to get our ears open, doesn't he? But God is seeking to get our attention when he disciplines us. So be quick to say, Lord, what is it? So that's the first truth. The second truth. As a heavenly father's discipline comes out of his love for us. Verse 6. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. Now the Bible teaches that corrective discipline is a necessary part of true love. You can have punishment without love. No question about that. But you cannot have true love without corrective discipline. It's impossible. The writer of Proverbs says, He who spares his rod hates his son. My daddy loved me. (laughs) But he who loves his Loves him, disciplines him diligently. Is that clear? If you love him enough, you will administer corrective discipline. It's when you don't love somebody enough that you say, I don't really care what you do. Just don't let it bother me. But true love cannot be separated from corrective discipline. It is a necessary part of it. So, our humanistic society has perverted this truth. We think love means we don't discipline, we don't correct. Let them do what they want to do. It's their life. Let them decide. We've lost sight of this truth that love, true love, administers discipline. And it's because God loves you and me that He disciplines us. We must never lose sight of this truth. To do so means we become bitter. We become resentful. We do despise His discipline when we forget that. But when we realize, when we remember it, and we know that what's coming into our life is coming from God's hand of love, then we can accept it gladly. And what brings God's discipline into your life? Well, what brings your discipline into your child's life? Similar things. Number one, disobedience to his word. When your child disobeys your word, you administer discipline, don't you? You should. 
When you and I disobey God's word, this moves his hand of discipline, of correction, of instruction into our lives. Some of us may be under God's discipline today because we've been disobedient and are being disobedient to his word. He's shown you something in his word that he wants you to do and you are refusing to do it. You know, he's made that verse come alive. He's spoken to you and you know he is talking to you. But you're resisting. You're not obeying. As a result, his hand of discipline is being released into your life. God told Israel to go into the promised land. But they refused to do so. They said, they're giants over there. And we're just like grasshoppers. And as a result of that, God's punishment and discipline was delivered to them. And they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Secondly, when we fail to correctly judge sin that's in our lives, we release God's discipline. You remember we saw a few weeks ago, In Corinth, there were those who were partaking of the Lord's table and they were failing to judge rightly the sin in their life. And the scripture says, but if we judge ourselves rightly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord. When you and I do not admit that sin is sin in our life, we try to cover it up, we try to call it something else, we try to rationalize it, we try to say, well, that's just the way I am, or everybody's doing it, or that's just such a small thing, or nobody's perfect. When we do all of those things, we are not judging rightly the sin that's in our lives. We're not saying, God, you're right, this is a sin, and I don't want it in my life. I confess, and I forsake by your grace. That's repentance. And if we're not willing to do that, then God brings discipline in our lives to bring us to the point of realizing, you know, this must be wrong because everything's going wrong in my life. Thirdly, when you stray off God's path for your life, the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. I am so glad God does not let me get too far off his path. But he lovingly brings me back. When we wander off of God's path for us, he lovingly sends forth his hand of discipline to bring us back. Because his path for you is what's best. It is the most fulfilling path for your life. It is the path that is filled with his love for you. But when we head off in our own direction and we are are determined to go in that direction and we are just as stubborn as we can be, then God in his love will do what it takes to bring us back. The nation of Israel was determined to go their own way. And God sent them into exile for 70 years so they would learn to follow His way and not theirs. Third truth. The Heavenly Father's discipline is a sign that we are born again children of God. Verses 7 and 8. It is for discipline that you endure. 
God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, of which all of you have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. It's this simple. He says a loving father will discipline his son. If you're not being disciplined, it's because you are not a son. Is that clear? God, the perfect father, will discipline his children. That's why I can say that if you're a Christian, you have experienced God's discipline in your life. And if you can live in sin and not experience the discipline hand of God, then you better question your salvation. In fact, this passage says, if a person can live in sin and not experience God's discipline in their life, then they are not a child of God. Because if they're a child of God, He will discipline them. It is a sign, it is evidence that we are children of God. If an earthly father will discipline his children, how much more will the loving Heavenly Father discipline his children? So don't take it lightly. Don't despise it. Rejoice because it proves you're a child of God. Fourth truth. The Heavenly Father's discipline is painful. Not joyful, but sorrowful for the moment. Verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Now you've probably been thinking, well, preacher, how does God discipline us? Well, too many ways for me to mention today. If I was able and knew all the different ways that God disciplines His children, I could start today and we could probably still be here next week and I'd still be telling you different ways. Now, I'll give you some examples in Scripture, but this list is by no means exhaustive. Over in Second Chronicles chapter 6, when they're dedicating the temple in Solomon's reign and they're talking about walking in obedience to God and what God's going to do if they fail to do so, We see a few things, beginning in verse 24. If your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and they return to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel, and bring them back to the land which you have given to them and to their fathers. When the heavens are shut up, And there is no rain because they have sinned against you. And they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them. Then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants. Your people Israel indeed teach them the good way in which they should walk. And send rain on your land which you have given to your people for an inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence, If there is blight or mildew, if there's a locust or grasshopper, if their enemies besiege them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer or supplication is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing his own affliction and his own pain and spreading his hands toward this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each according to. To his ways, whose heart you know, 
For you alone know the hearts of the sons of men. So here a number of things are mentioned, from being defeated by foreign armies, to drought, to blight, to mildew, to pestilence. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, as we saw again a few weeks ago when he talks about the Lord's Supper, Paul says there that because of God's hand of discipline, some of them were weak, experienced physical weakness. Some of them had become sick. So God uses sickness sometimes. It's his loving hand of discipline. And some of them had even died. Personal problems is the way God disciplines us. Family problems, financial problems, work problems, problems with your car, problems with your house. Someone has said when God wants to get our attention, He deals either with our health, our wealth, or our family. So if you're having problems in the area of your wealth, your health, or your family, then you need to say, now wait a minute, there's something going on here. I don't want to disregard. I don't want to take this lightly. I don't want to miss what God is saying to me. Now, though I cannot give you all the different ways God can bring discipline into your life, I can tell you two constants with all of them. They're painful, and they're not joyful. He says there in verse 11, he says that, Discipline for the moment is not joyful, but sorrowful. It's going to be painful. He's not going to throw Burr Rabbit in the briar patch. It's going to be something that has teeth in it. Now, what I've experienced in my life is that God is very gentle at the beginning of the discipline process. It's only as we refuse to heed as we take it lightly, don't notice it, or either in our stubbornness continue in our wrong path, that he increases the pressure. He increases the discipline. And he gets us to the point that we are broken and we're ready to listen to what he's saying. Fifth truth. The Heavenly Father's discipline can result in our good and our right living before Him. It can result in our holiness. Verse 10. For they disciplined us, that is our Heavenly Fathers, for a short time as seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good so that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. God desires through the discipline He brings in our life to bring us to the point of sharing His holiness. He wants to use His loving discipline to bring us to the point of walking as Jesus walked. That we might live according to His word. And His way, not the world's way. That we might share His holiness. We might have that peaceful fruit of righteousness. That we would submit to His will in our lives. But notice the phrase, to those who have been trained by it. It's not automatic. 
Just because God is lovingly sending his hand of discipline in your life doesn't mean you're going to automatically share his holiness, automatically be trained in the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Oh, no. To those who are trained by it. Well, when are we trained by God's discipline? Well, when you willingly accept it from his loving hand. When you, see, when you seek to learn the lesson that God's wanting to teach you. When God's discipline causes us to judge rightly the sin that's in our life. It brings us to repent. We are trained by it when it causes us to recognize our total dependence on Him for all that we need. We are trained by it when we accept it as being very important. We regard its value and we embrace it and submit to it. So the next time you find yourself experiencing hardship, ask yourself, is this God's hand of discipline in my life? Am I being disobedient to His Word in something? Have I failed to judge sin rightly in my life? Have I perhaps strayed off His path for my life? Do I have some impurities in my life that He wants to bring out and to make me more like Christ? Welcome your Heavenly Father's discipline. Don't despise it. Welcome it. Embrace it. Submit to it. As it comes from His loving hand. And as a result of it, be trained and grow into Christ-likeness. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are probably some here today that your loving hand is administering your discipline even today. I pray you'd take this truth and that you would enable them to value very highly your loving discipline in their life. They would not despise it, but they would be trained by it. Show them, Father, the lesson you want to teach them. And I pray that all of us, as we will experience your discipline in the future, would not regard it lightly, would not despise it, but accept it as a loving correction that it is. And be trained by it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond as the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. If you've never come to the place in your life that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, a personal Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to do that today. You say, well, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called on Jesus realizing you cannot save yourself? 
realizing you can never be good enough to earn God's acceptance because your sins have separated you from a holy God. But Jesus Christ, God's Son, came and lived that perfect life that you and I couldn't live. He even took our place on that cross and was punished for our sins. But He came alive from the dead, and He's alive today. And He offers us eternal life as a free gift of His grace. We simply receive it through faith as we take Him as our Savior. And we submit our will to His will as our Lord. Because when we recognize who He is, any other response is ridiculous. As the sovereign Lord of lords and King of kings, any response but total surrender of who I am to all that He is makes no sense. If you've not come to that place of surrendering to Jesus as Lord, accept Him as your Savior, I encourage you to do so today. Just come out. I'll be down front. Just take my hand and we'll talk. We have trained counselors that will share with you if need be. If God's leading you to become a part of His family here at Westside, I encourage you to come as well. 